when I was reading this gospel, it brought to mind an image from when I was younger. I think it was at a basketball camp I went to, probably in around middle school age, and we had free time, and so we were using the, uh, the pool that was, it was being held at a, at a college, the summer camp. And there was a big diving board there that I'd never been on before. It wasn't, you know, an Olympic-sized one, but it was higher than your usual pool diving board, maybe 20 feet or so uh, off the surface. And so uh, that was just the fun thing to do. There was a long line of kids lining up to just go up and jump off the board. So naturally, I got in line, didn't look very tall, from uh, down below. So it came to my turn, I got up there, uh, walked up the ladder, walked to the edge of the board, and suddenly was just overcome with fear. Immediately kind of shirked backwards, said, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And immediately, uh, every kid down below started yelling, come on, hurry up, go. Uh, And so at that point, I had two options. One was walk back down in shame, uh, or just do it. So I just did it. And it was pretty scary. Glad I did, but I decided I probably wouldn't be doing that again. That being said, I probably would not have done it if it wasn't for uh, the, the shouts down below of everybody telling me, uh, f- forcing me in that moment to just stop thinking about it and go. Because it's one of those moments where like, the more you think about it, the more you get scared, and you just have to do it. And growth in the Christian life always demands taking a risk of sorts, overcoming those fears, surrendering something that we hold near and dear. And in order for the power of God to be made manifest in our lives, it always involves necessarily a risk, a surrender of sorts, a relinquishing of control. Now, most people, myself included, were naturally inclined toward what we might commonly say, playing it safe. In other words, keeping things within my control. And many Christians can live an outwardly devout life, uh, believing all of the things the church teaches, fulfilling all of one's duties of one's state in life, and all the while playing it safe. The problem is that this life does not make saints. In the power of God, the power of Christ's resurrection is minimally manifest in such a life. In the gospel we heard today, Jesus calling the disciples and Peter to take a risk. In fact, he was asking him to kind of do something seemingly silly or illogical. Peter was a professional fisherman, so he knew full well from experience that the way to catch fish at Lake Gennesaret was at night in shallow water. And Peter and Jesus, in the middle of the day, 
tells him to go out into the deep, the most unlikely time and position where fish might be available. And John Paul II made a very famous commentary on this passage, and he says that this is the moment of faith, of prayer, of conversation with God in order to open our hearts to the tide of grace and allow the word of Christ to pass through us in all its power. Think about that. A tide of grace and all of the power of the word of God. How often do we really fully experience the power of Christ's resurrection? Or is it just kind of in little bits, in safe quantities that doesn't overwhelm us too much? The power of God that we experience is proportionate, in a sense, to our surrender to God. Or it is proportionate to how far out into the deep we go. So of course, grace is not a mathematical formula, but generally speaking, God's power is manifest to this degree that one relinquishes personal control of one's life and one's situation. As John Paul II said, again, the tide of grace and allowing the word of Christ to pass through us in all its power. Furthermore, the letter of the Hebrews tells us that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit. And in our first reading today, we heard the calling of the prophet Isaiah, where the angel said that the word of God is a burning coal being touched to his lips. And of course, we can't forget the beginning of the Gospel of John. He tells us in the famous prologue, but to all who received him, Christ, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. So the Christian life is one of claiming power and authority that is available to us in much greater abundance than we realize. And we all hold a claim to this by baptism. But it is a power that is not gained through strength, but God alone working through our weakness. Many writers speak of this act of laying aside our own plans and ambitions as yielding to the Holy Spirit. In other words, getting out of the way. Every unconfessed sin, every hesitation about carrying a cross, every grasping and clenching for control gets in the way of our advancing in the spiritual life. They keep us in shallow water. Our tradition speaks of three ages or conversions of the spiritual life. The first being the purgative way. And in this age, 
the soul is focused on rooting out all habitual and mortal sin. And in growing in commitment to daily prayer and striving to serve God in all things. The second, called the illuminative way, is where God's work of perfection in, of the soul takes over. The soul does everything for love of God alone and receives everything as a gift from him. And the final is the unitive age, which is the perfection of charity, the life of the great saint on earth. I point this out because it is generally agreed upon by the great teachers of the spiritual life throughout all the ages of the church that when the devout Christian soul is led by God into the second, the illuminative way, most end up turning back out of fear. Fear usually of what surrender might entail and of carrying one's cross. Some, when they turn back, will even fall away from grace completely out of discouragement. This happens quite often. But this point of transition into the illuminative way is really where the deeper interior life begins and God's power is manifest. Whatever age of the interior life we find ourselves in right now, God leads us to the edge of that diving board. But at a finite moment, it is up to us to stop worrying about all the possible outcomes, to stop making contingency plans, to stop second-guessing ourselves and fixating on our weaknesses. It is there that Christ calls us, put out into the deep. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.